Welcome to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This is a show about ham radio, shortwave, electronics, and we're glad to have you tonight. Hey, if you're tuned in on shortwave on 7490 on WBCQ out of Monticello, Maine, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com, tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where in the world you are and how you're hearing the shortwave station tonight. Hey, we actually have an email this week from somebody listening. Here he is right here. This is uh, from Ion Radio. Or, Glenn, is that Eon Radio or is that Ion Radio? Ion. You sure? It's not Eon? I-O-N is Ion. Ask Bill. Bill? He knows that. that. Bill knows that Would that be Eon or Ion? It's been Ion for eons. There you go. Okay. Anyway, hey, Ion Radio says, hi, Tom. Uh, I have your show tuned in on WBCQ. Uh, he said uh, he's listening to Dr. D there. I, I, you know, Glenn, I'm the one that gave Dr. D that name. You know yeah. that. 
He's listening to Dr. D there, so he was paying attention to the show. Dr. D, he says, Guido from Long Island, New York, uh, on the show. Great reception here in southern New England. Man, he must be about 50 miles from the station. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on his realistic DX160 with a 40-meter dipole. Uh, he was probably close enough. He could probably pull the dipole off and still hear it there. Anyway, yeah. we're so glad we got an email from him. And, uh, hey, send us an email. Let us know where you are. Hey, everybody, if you will, join our Facebook group. Uh, it's just called, well, it's called Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's too much to type. Just type in W5KUB. You'll find our, our uh, Facebook group. We've got about 14,000 members in there, and we'd love to have you join our Facebook group. And if you will, right now, I, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Hit the subscribe button. I'm going to help you out here. I'm helping you out. There's a subscribe button somewhere down around that arrow right there. So if you will, hit that subscribe button. Now that helps us to, you know, get our show uh, advertised out to more people that are surfing around on uh, YouTube and, and find our show. In fact, about about 30% of our viewers find us, I think, from the little thumbnails that pop up on the, the side over there when they're searching for different things. So do all that. Don't forget, don't forget. Um, you can also listen. We're on every podcast carrier out there, just about in the world. I mean, I got so many stuff loaded here. I don't even know where it is. Let's see, podcast, podcast. Well, I don't know where it is. I was looking. Anyway, hey, we're on every podcast out there. I can't find the icon to click on here, but we're out there. Inet Radio, Google Play, all of them. Just uh, you know. If you want to download and listen to us anytime during the day, night, if you're driving, just uh, look, look for Amateur Radio Roundtable on any podcast carrier, and you will find us out there. All right. So, hey, we, we didn't have a show last week. That should not have surprised anybody because we announced it the week before. So if it surprised you, that means you missed the week before. And if you if I get your name, you get a demerit. Now, all right. So, uh, hey, I had a great time last week. Uh, first time uh, I basically took some time off. We went over to Russellville, Arkansas, and uh, ran around over a little bit and uh, uh, got some neat things. Gave a presentation at, at uh, uh, the club over there. I visited my college and so forth. Let's go. Let's go around the table here and just say hi to who, who we've got on here. Let's start with. It looks like uh, Bill is on here first. Bill, how you doing? Hey. Actually, Glenn's there now, but go ahead, Bill. I uh, had a good weekend, uh, spending most of it at the QSA, uh, QSO Today uh, uh, Virtual Hamfest, and uh, that was a blast. And uh, uh, he added some new features from the last uh, time, and uh, I particularly like the uh, the table rooms where you could go and sit at a table, a virtual table, and start chatting with people and uh both video and audio and uh it was i got to meet some people i hadn't seen for a while uh from california and uh arizona so it was a pretty good turnout and uh really uh i thought most of the sessions went pretty well so uh glenn uh i think glenn was <clears throat> did you present there as well that weekend? not, not this time around no i had a conflict with this weekend but it turned out pretty well, and uh, he's got it pretty well. All the bugs worked out and uh, added some new features, and uh, I thought it went well. 
Very cool. Yeah, I meant to go and something came up and didn't make it. All right. Well, I couldn't go because I was on vacation. How's that for an excuse? Okay. There you go. All right. Hey, let's uh, let's jump over to. Hey, let's jump over to my buddy there, John Evans from Russellville. Hey, John, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm come, doing great. I really here. appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, come to our club meeting <clears throat> last week and uh, do a, just an absolute world-class presentation on balloons. That was just really great. And I uh, I thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. And I uh, know all the other club members had mentioned that uh, that was one of our better programs, so I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm interested in hearing about how you're uh, uh exploring and adventures went uh, around your old stomping grounds at uh, Arkansas Tech. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Had a good time, uh, actually, but it rained on us some over there. We had a, we had a couple of days of no rain, but in a couple of days of rain here. But, man, I must say this, John, I, I, I apologize. I did not recognize you when I came to the club that <laughs> night. Guys, if you remember, John has been on here before, and he had a beard that was about two feet long. I mean, he uh, he looked like he looked like Duck Dynasty. I mean, I tell you, he was he was Duck he was Mr. Duck Dynasty here. And when I got to the club, I walked right up to him. I said, "Is John, I said, is uh, John Evans here?" And he goes, "I am John Evans." I mean, and I've known John for like forty or fifty years. Here, man. Oh wow. Oh well. Hey, you look good with that off. You know, thank you, thank did, you. Did, did did you get any little stubbles when he shaved down? Was it hard to cut off, man? I mean, no, it came right off real easy. Yeah, okay, all right, man. Just just checking here. Was looking good, man. All right, hey, and and also with John is is uh, Dennis W five R Z. I met him at the club Tuesday. Hey, Dennis, how you doing? Good evening, everybody, and we sure did enjoy having you come to the meeting. And uh, that that talk was was entertaining as well as being really informative. It it uh, kind of let us know how that balloon stuff works and uh, make makes us want to try it. And I kind of grew up uh, with Tom and Ham Radio. We were about two letters apart in our call signs back in the WA five series. So. Uh, we go way back, and I'm just just glad to be here tonight. Well, uh, hey, we're glad to have you there. I, I had a comment I was going to make, and I forgot it. But, you know, when you get my age, you forget stuff real fast here. Uh, uh, man, I wish it what it was. Oh, I know what it was. You know, you're talking about that it was a good presentation. Well, Bill Bill here taught me everything I know. So just <laughs> everybody everybody, just thank Bill right there. Uh, for, for hey. All right. Well, look. Let's do this. Um, yeah. Uh, let's 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 talk about. Let me see. I'm gonna try to bring you guys in on split screen here, and I'm gonna let's see if Dennis fits. You. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, nope. He ain't there. Hey, Dennis. Can you scoot over to where you can get in the camera right there, so I don't have to adjust it. Yeah. That that that's that's a little better. Uh, Middle-ish. Yeah. Well, let me see if I can do something better here. I'll just go like that. I go like that. All right, hey, let's just let's just jump right into this. I got several things to talk about tonight, but uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the trip over to Russellville, and uh, we're going to talk about several different things here. Now, you guys normally have a net tonight. Uh, John skipped the net. Yeah, please don't give him any demerits. 
Uh, what about you, uh, Dennis? Did you check internet tonight? No, it, it it's at eight o'clock, but uh, they'll have plenty of people. Okay, they can do without right. us. All right, all right. Well, very good. Maybe I hope some of them are in the chat room or just at least watching tonight. I don't know if any of them are or not. I I really can't tell who's here. Uh, let's see. It's looking. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't see anybody in here that I recognize. Okay. Well, anyway, hey guys. Uh, so hey. As you guys know, I I I have a a, a relationship with uh, with Russellville. Uh, I, I basically lived in Russellville from uh, 1966 uh, through part of 1969, and uh, went to Arkansas Tech over there uh, until my uncle called me, and my uncle called me and says, "Man, we need you like really bad right now." <laughs> And uh, I had to go. And uh, uh, people my age probably know who I'm talking about when I say my uncle. Uh, but uh, we had a good time over in Russellville. Uh, let's see, I've got a few little pictures here. I, I got to go out to, uh, man, the, 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 the college had grown so much that I couldn't get across it. I don't know if the roads just stop or if there's a maze or what. I couldn't get across it from the east side to the west side. I was having more trouble. I had to put it in the GPS to get across. And uh, I know normally our, our hotel was up north, right there, north, right there near the interstate. And normally I would have took that little that little uh, road that makes a little dog leg around to the to the north and the, the west side. And it would have come right down by my dorm here. But I didn't know there's so much growth out there. I didn't know which street it was. So we came down Arkansas, I guess that's seven, and tech has really grown. And I could not find a way to cut across that campus. So we went all the way down. Finally, we, we put it in the GPS, and we finally figured out how to get to the west side. Got up to my dorm. That's, my, uh, that's the old dorm that I was in my last year right there. Now, that dorm was brand new, brand spanking new when I, uh, when I went there in 1960. Uh, seven sixty-eight area. Uh, of course, it's not very new now because it's fifty-seven years old. But uh, I got to go inside. They invited me to inside and uh, showed me around and uh, showed me all the changes. And uh, every room now, but basically has a private bathroom. We didn't have a private bathroom uh, per per room, you know. But they all have private. So I guess what they did, they eliminated a room every couple rooms and just built baths uh, there. Uh, of course, uh, uh, you know the old payphone that used to be out on the wall out in the out in the in the uh, hallway right in front of my door. It's gone. They had a fire extinguisher hanging there uh, now, and I guess they don't have a need for a uh, uh, for a uh, uh, payphone since everybody's got cell phones. So. Anyway, hey, got to look inside the room. Yeah, typical room. The furniture's changed and so forth. But uh, uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, there in the center, uh, the, 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 the portion of the building here in the center, we had what we call house mom uh, back then. And the house mom, came, you know, she was kind of like your mother and, you know, took care of everybody. And uh, they don't have house moms anymore. You know, they've got, uh, I think they got students that are basically like, uh, like a dorm chief or something, basically, that lives in that apartment right here in the center. Anyway, hey, that was fun. We looked around. 
Uh, I recognize some buildings, but there are so many new buildings after 50-something years. Uh, it was just just amazing. Uh, hey, it went, you know, drove downtown, drove past the courthouse. The inter I mean, the uh, highway was supposed to do a zigzag, and it didn't do a zigzag. And I thought, well, I've got Alzheimer's or something here because the road, I know I used to have to zigzag here. And uh, anyway, I asked uh, Dennis and them at the meeting that night. I said, didn't the road just zigzag? And they said, yep, but they straightened it out. Now, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it goes straight now. So, you know, a little changes like this. Got to eat at uh, got to eat at uh, Waterburger. I, I was looking forward to eating at uh, Waterburger there on the campus because it was uh, it opened. I think my uh, 50, 57 years ago. I don't know if it was my first year, or my second year there, but they opened the Waterburger right there on the campus. So I was eating there opening day, and then I went back and ate there again, and it's just as good as it was back then. We, uh, uh, Kathy wanted to go up to Mount Nebo, and uh, it was raining that day, and I said, are you sure you want to go up here? And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, I want to go. And I said, are you, are you really sure you want to go up there? And uh, visibility was about 10 feet, and if you've ever driven up Nebo, it's, it's some really steep 180-degree turns going up that thing, and you know, we went up in anyway, just so she could see it. We got up on top, and uh, they couldn't see anything at all because uh, yeah, it's, it's too foggy. We're kind of up in a cloud. But, uh, hey, I've got a picture here of Nebo from from across the Arkansas River. Uh, this is uh, a cam. This is a, a live cam of one of the uh, uh, club members there. Uh, Richard Daly puts his cam on. And uh, at the distance there, uh, you can see uh, Mount Nebo. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing that's what, maybe five or six miles away. Dennis, anybody know? I mean, I, I, your mic's muted, Dennis. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm just guessing. I mean, it's uh, it's not real close. It's, it's five or six miles uh, across on the other side of the river there. But, it's hey, it's nice, and it's flat on top. It's a plateau. And a lot of the guys from Memphis go there on VHF uh, contest uh, weekend. They go up there and they, from Memphis, and they set their towers up there and their radios, and they cook hamburgers, and, you know, uh, they have a, a, a big time up there. And that, that's a great place to work VHF on top of that, uh, top of the Nebo. Uh, let me see. I'm looking, at, looking for uh, one of the guys that goes up there, and I don't see him in here right now. But anyway... Hey, that's, that's Mount Nebo across the Arkansas River. The Arkansas River right there, I, I think it's just down from the dam and from the locks. They actually have locks there so boats can go, you know, up and down, up and down a stream right there. Uh, let's see. Uh, from there, we drove one up to uh, uh, Missouri, to Branson, Branson, Missouri, and... Uh, we stopped there at Arkansas's deepest. Uh, this is the Grand Canyon in Arkansas. That's not a very good picture. I'm not not pointing the camera at the uh, uh, at the Grand Canyon, but it, it was pretty deep here for Arkansas, I, I guess. And uh, uh, boy, the wind was blowing, and uh, you know we had a lot of um, we had a lot of uh, uh, rain and fog and stuff on that trip. Um, so I don't have any other pictures. There. So anyway, hey John, uh, come on in here, John, and hey, tell us a little about the club there, and uh, you know everything we need to know about the club. 
Well, our club's been going for since the late 50s, mid 50s, uh, and it's morphed into uh, a couple of different uh, different directions over all those years. But uh, one of the founding fathers was uh, Grady Hudlow, and another one was Jack Miner, and they kind of was the one that got the club going. And man, I could mention so many names. I I won't get into that, but there's like uh, uh, you know, uh, Frank Hotard, he worked real hard, and he's probably got more people on the air than, than anybody else. Uh, he He's loaned out lots of radio gear. He would always loan a novice their new, uh, a new transmitter or a new receiver or both to get them going. Uh, there was Dick Spencer, WA5LKB. Uh, Frank Hotard was uh, W5BLP, Brass Panders uh, League. Uh you know, there was Cliff Jennings, just a real good guy, K5AXP. Uh, I didn't know I was going to have to do this, so I'm pulling this off the top of my head. But uh, Cliff Jennings and Dick Spencer, WA5LKB, uh, uh, John Hallbrook, uh, uh, Bill Davis, W5AII, or AI, uh, those guys were really the, uh, the ones that got our club going and kept it going. Of course, uh, uh, Grady Hudlow was K5OES, and uh, and Ron Van Buren, uh, uh, W5ILH, and uh, Don Rickard, WA5IXG. I mean, those guys were the real uh, the real backbone of the club and and kept us going. And uh, right now, currently, I'm I'm the president, and uh, we've got uh, <clears throat> really probably about 130 members. Paid members, we don't have uh, quite that many, and the people that come to our club meeting uh, is less than that. They usually have about 30, 25 to 30 members. Uh, it kind of varies from month to month, but as you saw how many people we had at our meeting, and that was uh, pretty much uh, typical. There were several people that weren't there, and uh, we uh, we send out a newsletter, and if you, uh, I think you get our newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we do real good. Uh, you know, we do lots of activities since COVID hit. You know, we've kind of backed off on a lot of the items that we did, like the Fall Fest and the uh, uh, the Valley Fest and whatever. We just now mostly do uh, uh, Field Day is our big event since uh, since COVID. And generally, uh, Dennis kind of ramrods all that. Uh, this past year, Dennis was our Field Day chairman. Uh, so he might want to jump in and talk about some of the other activities. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess we'll spill the beans and Dennis can talk about one of the uh, a big event that we're going to have coming up twice uh, this year. So uh, anyway, we've, we've got a great little club and uh, we've been we've been growing. We usually have about one, maybe one or two members, every, uh, new members every other uh, every other month. Uh, there was a new member this past month, and then the month before that was another one. So uh, we're not growing by leaps and bounds, but yet we're not we're not losing ground. We're we're gaining new members, and uh, and we teach uh, uh, we teach classes, and we just finished up a uh, a technician class, and then uh, we do uh, online testing. Uh, we also do in person testing. Before every club meeting, we do a, a in-person testing at 4 p.m. And then usually on uh, Thursday afternoons, about 2 o'clock uh, Arkansas time, Central time, we do uh, 
uh, online uh, testing, and uh, Larry Penipet, uh, uh, KF5MLP, is the one that's uh, in charge of that. Dennis, you want to mention something about uh, some of our activities that we got going? Well, we always enjoy field day a lot. Uh, I, I think we missed one year during COVID. Uh, we uh, all operated from home and turned into club score. So we, we're back at it now, out in the heat. You know, we, we don't go for air conditioning and all that stuff. We just camp out and uh, get hot and bug bit and all of that. Uh, we're looking forward to operating W1AW Portable 5 for the volunteers on the air event uh, in June and maybe one more time. And so uh, we don't know exactly how that's going to go. Uh, Joel Harrison, W5ZN, past president of ARRL, is coordinating that for Arkansas. And he has assured us that we, we see, the last event, I guess, was uh, uh, I don't know. There was a W1AW in Arkansas at some point uh, several years ago, and we, we we made thousands of contacts. So he assured us that we would be uh, involved in that again. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, I think John's pretty well covered things. You know, we've, we've added the ham fest back in again, and we're awfully Awfully pleased about that, and I'm sure uh, he'll he'll talk some more about that in a few minutes. Yeah. So uh, someone in the chat room asked, uh, mentioned that you and I, our calls were so close, and did we test at the same place, same time? Guys, that, uh, two, that was, I got my license uh, a couple years before I, I went to Arkansas Tech. So we were, I don't know where Dennis was. I'm, I, I'm 200, I was 200 miles from uh, Russellville. I drove to Memphis, Tennessee to take my test. Mm. Uh, we had to go to the FCC to take it uh, at 16 years old. Drove down to Memphis, passed my test, and how about you, Dennis? Did you did you have to go somewhere like Little Rock or somewhere? I went to Little Rock. I lived at Brinkley, so we had our, our choice between Memphis and Little Rock. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, took my novice test over in Clarendon, uh, W5HZH. I remember it well. Gave me my novice, and uh, he had a big Collins station, a 130-foot tower. I just thought I was in heaven when he let me sit down there and, uh, and listen on that thing. And then went to Little Rock, and I got the call, uh, general call, WA5IIS. So I was an okay. I in 1963, and you were a K a little, little bit after that. Yeah, yeah. I got my license. I mean, I don't even remember what month now, but it was '64. It was probably early, mm -hmm. early '64 there. All right. Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, oh, hey, hey, uh, John. You know, <clears throat> I was a member of the club there 57 years ago, uh, but it was in the top of the courthouse up there with all the prisoners, if I remember right. I don't know. I remember Frank. But uh, was that the same club, or y'all? I don't remember it being that name. I don't even remember the name of the club. To tell you the truth. Yes, that was the same club. Same it club. was. I think they called it the. They didn't really have a real hard <clears throat> name, but uh, generally yeah. they just went by the Russell Radio Club. Okay. And they talked about, oh, yeah, we got the radio club meeting tonight, and it kind of went. Uh, yeah. We just referred to it the Russell Radio Club. Well, you know, back back then, I guess things were much more. Uh, 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 freedom. You know, we didn't have internet. We didn't have all the stuff. We, you know, I mean, mm. we were just laid back you know i mean i hey i guess i 
I guess I owe you guys about 55 years of dues, man. <laughs> you know? So, oh, well, man. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's look at the pictures. I think you got some pictures of, uh, the ham fest. Man, I wish I could have made it, but I just had a conflict here. So you want to show us, uh, some pictures of, uh, your ham fest and how successful was it? I think the ham fest was really successful. Uh, when they started giving the report of the, uh, of the, uh, you know, coming up of the, uh, of the ham fest and then your presentation, uh, Dennis and a few others will remember, will uh, comment that, uh, I was just speechless from, uh, you know, from what went on at the, uh, at the meeting. It was, it was just great. Uh, but here let's, we'll talk about some of the, uh, some of the pictures, uh, uh, of what went on at the ham fest. This was our 20, is it, was it our 27th ham fest, Dennis, or 28th? I should have looked that up. I believe it was the 28th. Yeah, the 28th uh, uh, ham fest. I wished I could say consecutive, but right. COVID knocked us out of a couple of couple of years there, or three years, but uh, uh, we we sure made up for it. So uh, we'll get started here with uh, with some of our pictures. Uh, this is just a general uh, a general overview of the of the flea market. Uh, the ham fest was held over at the Dardanelle uh, Community Center, uh, right on Highway 22, not too far from uh, downtown uh, Dardanelle. As you're headed towards uh, Paris or headed over the lake, uh, that's that's where it was held, just a little ways out of uh, out of town. And this is just a shot of the uh, of the flea market. Uh, you're kind of looking east in uh in this shot uh to the right is or the south is the uh is the stage and that's where the AWRL uh forums were held and the ADXA forums and then of course the AWRL table was there to the left was the main entrance and uh, there was also a couple of rooms where we had uh, uh we did our testing we did both uh, W5YI testing and also uh, uh AWRL testing I'm just going to run through some of the shots. I'm not going to elaborate, and 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 I know everybody's seen the gear, or, or but uh, I just will hit some of the high spots. Uh, friend of mine, uh, he, this was his SB 101, uh, excuse me, SB 100 uh, that he brought. Uh, just to show, this is just to do a cross section. These aren't cherry picked pictures. These are random pictures and uh, some of them were made by one of the members in our uh, one of the guys that goes around to different ham fest and he made uh, some of these uh, some of these pictures for us but here's an example here's uh, two Motorola uh, XPR 8300 DMR repeaters and uh, there to the right of this picture is uh, if you if you guys will remember way back in the 60s and the 70s uh, Heathkit, well, and especially in the late 70s, they did uh, the trainers for like the school. So these are little uh, little devices where you can program up uh, Motorola 6800 chips, and uh, it had a little prototype and a breadboard area. Uh, where I used to work, we had a bunch of those. So um, that was kind of near and dear to me because I think those came from where I used to work. And, uh, you know, Here's a Radio Shack uh, 10 meter uh, 10 meter transceiver. 
just just to give you an idea, you know, Variac. These are some computer power supplies over on the right. Uh, on the right, the 25 and 50 amp power supplies. Uh, if you needed a rotor down at the bottom, you can see the rotors over on the uh, uh, end of the table on the right. There was a, a nice selection of uh, of uh, rotor controls. Kind of look over to the left a little bit. You'll see a piece of Collins gear. Uh, here's just some more test equipment, vintage stereo stuff. More stuff. Uh, significant here, you know, there is that uh, Yezu rig down at the bottom. But if you look just to the left of that, uh, there's a couple of Morris uh, code keys, uh, uh, Vibraplex uh, bugs. It looks like they're in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, Kenwood and Yezu was well uh, well represented. Uh, lots of test equipment. Uh, there was a Swan 350 there. And and look at the price of that. That's twenty bucks. <clears throat> you know, if you've got yeah. a Swan, uh, just those knobs on the front panel, all of those are worth the, uh, mm. are worth twenty bucks. And uh, there's a tube caddy with original tubes in it. That was kind of significant. There's if you needed a tuner and an amplifier and a couple of meters, dude, you you were ready to you were ready to go. Uh, there's an antenna there in the back of that with the ballon with the coax. Uh, anybody that needed a 10, 10 tech Omni, there, you know, you're you're ready to go. That our Hamfest had real gear. It wasn't just junk like some of them. Of course, some people consider all this stuff junk, but uh, anyway, nice selection of Heathkit, Halicrafters. Uh, so I'll let Dennis pick it up from here because. We had uh, multiple activities going on at our ham fest. We had forums, we had uh, presentations, uh, and we had uh, activities both inside and outside. So, Dennis, just carry on. Thank you, John. Uh, yeah, that th there was some beautiful used equipment there. And uh, one of the problems with ham fest nowadays, especially when you don't really commit to, uh, to having it until about, what, September, John? Is that, right. is that new equipment dealers don't come to ham fests like they used to. And to get one, you probably would have to start a whole lot earlier, but there just are not that many. We we talked hard with several of them and they just couldn't do it. They had a conflict. It, the, the, the economics are working against them, uh, hauling all that stuff around when there's so much business done online. And so some people were a little discouraged about that and, uh, so I, I pushed the idea of let's have lots of activities and everybody bought into that. Let's give people something to see. Uh, and so one thing we had was a fox hunt. There's a big park, multi-acre park with a lake and all kinds of uh, terrain right next door to the center. And so uh, a group from the Conway Amateur Radio Club, Faulkner County, put on a fox hunt for us. Okay, John. Yeah. Now, here's the ARRL forum, which was well attended. Uh, there's our section manager, Jay, uh, N5LKE. And uh, we're, we're just always proud to see that people are interested to attend the ARRL forum and, and get the latest news. Even though they probably saw it online, they still come and, and give that support. 
Now, John was a part of this. I don't know if you can see him up there. You can see George, WB5JJJ. They actually did two FT8 in digital forums, one uh, for the second hour of the Arkansas DX Association meeting on foxhound and uh, various DX hunting techniques uh, with FT8 in digital modes, because that can get pretty involved just to figure out which mode the guy is using. And then they presented another FT8 forum in the afternoon. So uh, they, they they worked hard uh, on several things. Now, this is at the HODA event, Parks on the Air, which was kind of my baby. Uh, this is Nick, WA5BDU, who, who deserted us and moved away to Northwest Arkansas. He used to live in Russellville for years, worked out at ANO, and he won a battery. Uh, I wrote to BioNO and some other companies, and I said, could you just send us some literature? We'll put it out on the table at this POTA event. And it got a big heavy box, and it had three batteries uh, that, that we gave away. So they were very generous, and uh, I'll give them a plug. I use uh, bio-eno batteries and uh, portable operations, and they're hard to beat. Okay, John. Uh, this is Eddie, W5LST, who is a very active Parks on the Air operator. I think he has something like 1,100 activations, and so he brought a lot of expertise he brought a 12 by 20 shelter that came all the way from southwest Arkansas, and there he is operating his station uh, doing an activation. When we heard that the, uh, the Hamfest venue is right on Highway 22, which is two POTA trails, the Butterfield Trail and the Trail of Tears, and as long as we're within 100 feet of the right-of-way, we could activate that trail and so we set up uh, this tent. We invited everybody to come. Uh, we called it a POTA meetup. People usually just meet in a park and do nothing but POTA. So we didn't know how this would work in conjunction with the ham fest. But we probably talked to 100 people as they went by. And we had about 25 sign in the, uh, the sheet and stick around and either operate a little and discuss POTA strategies or learn about what POTA is. Uh, so that we think that was very successful. This is Mike Garrison, KG5YTY. Uh, he's getting in his very first activation on the club's rig. Uh, he sat down there and uh, got uh, 10 or a dozen contacts, and now he can, uh, he can send in his very first POTA activation log. This is the setup. It was just about that far away from the sidewalk where everybody had to walk in and out. So we uh, we caught a lot of them. They would wander over and we would tell them what it was all about and that they may or may not have been interested, but they got to see it in action and, and we were glad to uh, glad to show it to them. This is uh, someone uh, getting a uh, a demonstration of, of how a POTA activation goes. A couple of guys looking on while Mike uh, activates. This is uh, Eddie again, W5LST. And uh, these ladies, uh, one of them, the one that's on the rig, is uh, 
and I forget her name right now, quite an experienced POTA activator, and she was doing an activation, and she had brought her friend over who had never done one, and they tag-teamed each other, and the, the friend did her very first activation, and that that made me feel good because that was that was worth the whole effort. That That kind of thing is what we did it for. So a lot of people just stood around out here and talked and, uh, about various things and, and uh, learned about POTA, looked at the equipment, had a good time. In conjunction with the outdoor activities, we had a satellite demonstration, a young man named Matt. And he had a helper holding the antenna and uh, was just standing up out there working through the satellites. <clears throat> they had a pretty good crowd gathered around. And uh, just another example of the kind of things that we felt like we wanted to do uh, for this AmFest. This is Daniel Weatherly, N5DDW. Uh, He's an engineer and a pretty good educator and uh, is explaining about his homebrew magnetic loop. Uh, he, he builds antennas, builds magnetic loops. He does POTA activations with uh, the loops, and they work quite well. So uh, people enjoyed, uh, enjoyed seeing that, and he did several impromptu sessions about, about the loops. All right, next year it's always the first weekend in march i think we're going to do it again uh back to you john well thank you very much dennis boy you did a great job narrating that uh <clears throat> this was unrehearsed uh great job uh we hope we ho we haven't secured the venue yet but uh we're working on that and this is uh this is what we're planning on uh, next year first weekend in march and uh we had uh, we had about forty eight tables, and we had a we had a complete sellout of our tables. If we'd have had more tables, we could have sold more. But if you looked at the venue, we just about filled it up with the tables. If we uh, if we put another row or another couple of rows, then it'll be so crowded you can't hardly walk down the rows or the aisles. So uh, we'll probably stay at that size for a little while longer. Uh, I I don't want to go anywhere without mentioning uh, Mike McAllister because he's the one that pulled all this together and uh, and got the ham fest uh, going uh, this year that uh, we had we had been talking about it for a little while but we hadn't got any real commitments from people and uh, and Mike was able to take the bull by the horns and uh, and just say we're going to do the ham fest and he's going to take care of it and uh, I think he did just a uh, just a great job. So uh, anyway, that's how our ham fest went. Uh, did, hey, I mean, John, do you guys John. have any questions about it? Yeah, John, uh, turn your uh, screen share off, if you will. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Not a problem. I could have done it here, but then I wouldn't have known how to undo it. Just, I think you're working on it. I'm working on it. There, there we go. go. There we go. Oh, you got it. I'm All sorry. Right. Very good. That's okay. Not a problem. Hey, man, it's been an exciting night. It's just a uh, hey, great show so far. I enjoyed watching all this. Uh, guys, man, I'm I'm really hurting right now because Dennis was telling me there was some uh, estate sale equipment over there. Dennis, uh, describe what kind of equipment was selling for $35 each. 
unfortunately, <clears throat> unfortunately, I wasn't in there. I was out with the POTA stuff, but I believe any Hallicrafters or Heathkit box, I think he just said if it's a green or a gray box. Don't know if that included the Collins, but he had some special prices on Collins. Yeah. Uh, but big Hallicrafters receivers, big Heathkit, you know, the big iron transmitters and the yeah. receivers, he was blowing those out. And, uh, probably still has some if, if you look on the rvr facebook page uh andre andre van wick uh yeah, he's got a picture uh, of what he's yeah, still uh, i'm gonna here's uh here's you guys facebook page here if anybody wants to go to their facebook page just search for and i guess you got to put a period between these a r v a r f arkansas river valley amateur radio foundation so uh Go to that, uh, go to that uh, Facebook group, and you'll see their Facebook. And uh, yeah, I saw some of the equipment that. Like, That's it. That's it right, right there. Oh man, I thought that. Well, I saw that earlier today, and I thought that was a. Uh, uh, I thought that was a vendor. I mean, a, you know, a, a store. <laughs> Well, that's at his location. He 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 lives on Y Mountain, which is over, uh, over towards Little Rock. Uh, yeah and where they have the daffodil festival and he has a, a house with a tremendous tower there and that's where he has stored all of this estate equipment that he's collected he's been so busy putting up towers taking down towers that he really hasn't done too much with it and so now he's oh, I, I think he wants to retire but uh, gosh if you wanted a collins rig and and he says give him a call send, shoot me an email yeah. you can come by and look at it so uh well, I may I may have to go and rob a bank or something and just drive over there, you know. And, well, you you might have to rob you might not have to rob a very big bank. Yeah, well, I mean he, he doesn't give it away, and and he really at the Hamfest he was motivated by not lugging it home because it is big and heavy, so the yeah, prices yeah. might not be quite as soft there oh, yeah. at his location. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm tempted to. Uh, to go over there but it's kind of by appointment so i probably wouldn't go unless i intended to buy something and lord knows i've got plenty of equipment but now, yeah where uh where is this uh in relation to russellville how, how many miles which direction it's east what john about 45 minutes 40 yeah look about up, uh, that it's it'd be safe to say it's kind of sort of halfway between russellville and conway but it's more you to it's, the south. It's south. Okay. But yeah, look up his call in uh, November Juliet Zero Foxtrot, and uh, it. And then if you Google his address, it will get you in the approximate uh, area. Yeah. yeah we'll the address is a little squirrely out in that area, we'll but uh, gosh, he had a sale there, and uh, we, we all went over there, and it was it was incredible. It was just. It was mind-boggling. Mm, man, hey, I like this picture here. Who, who, would you post that? <laughs> no, Richard, Richard posted that. Guys, yeah. that is a picture. Richard posted that. That's a new, uh, a new beam there. You know that you can get that's now. A, yeah, that's a stepper. A stepper. <laughs> yeah, man, what a. Well, I mean, when he had his first right sale, Dennis and I went, and he was selling the the the. He called it Hanks of coax but i couldn't carry my hank of coax oh, they really? were ten dollars a piece and uh -huh. i couldn't carry mine that uh dennis 
Dennis could barely carry his, and then of course Dennis carried mine for me. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. remember that. Yeah. Oh, I remember that because I wanted it so bad, but I couldn't pick it up. But you measured yours out, wasn't yours like 250 feet or so? No, I, I picked up a piece that he said was about 160 feet, and I thought it was heavy. It was LMR 400, and yep. it was 330 feet for $10. Oh, $10 it was used, man. but hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a lot of life left in it. Oh, so. Yeah. Well, hey, hey guys, we I, I really enjoyed talking to you tonight. I'm glad, you're, uh, glad you joined us tonight. Uh, feel free to stay on the rest of the show and jump in here if, 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 if and when you want to. Uh, I'm going to show in a minute, I'm going to show some satellite antennas I'm putting out in the garage. Uh, and uh, talk a little about that. We'll talk a little about 112 reappeared on the radar uh, the last couple of days. We thought it had gone down, but 35 KB 112 is still alive. So we're going to hit all that in a little while. So, uh, uh, again, thank you, but feel free to stick in here with us if you don't have anything else to do tonight. Sure will. Thank Enjoyed you. it. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having us. I really yeah, do. Thank yeah. you. And we're going to take just a quick break, and we'll be right back here in just a minute or so. Cabin Fever, spring into the new year with ICOM. ICOM's newest amateur FM transceiver is the ICV3500, and it's ready to hit the road with whatever you're doing. With a compact body and simple interface, this radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look. The ICT-10 is a rugged portable that meets or exceeds standard military testing. With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT-10 can withstand any field activities ahead. Hear any transmission and listen to FM broadcasts with the loud 1.5-watt speaker. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick and QRP companion. Base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers. It's a portable package. It covers HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with an RF direct sampling. Most of the HF bands and IF sampling. The ID5100A is innovation and mobility taken to the next level. Designed from user input, the ID5100 offers an intuitive user interface experience with an industry-leading touchscreen display. Additionally, the ID5100 connects with Android devices and Bluetooth headsets via the optional Bluetooth module. The ID5100A is one of the most advanced dual-band mobiles on the market today. And last but not least is the ID52A. It's a VHF-UHF dual-bander with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions and is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex repeater, regional, and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM Radio. All right, guys, and we are back here, and we've been talking with uh, Dennis, uh, W5RZ, and John, W5VHS, uh, over in Russellville, Arkansas. And, boy, we've talked about my trip over there and the club and the presentation and ham fest. We've had a good time so far tonight. Let me just mention here, we're about mid-show. Just want to mention here, guys, uh, if you're out there listening on WBCQ 7490, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at W5KUB. We love hearing from you. 
if you're listening to the show on shortwave we would really like to hear from you guys this is not a high power shortwave station we're only running 50,000 watts relatively low power but it gets out into a lot of different countries and and uh, that's uh that, that's good enough for us right now getting the word out and here's the uh picture i was looking for earlier about our uh, podcast our audio podcast is on everything from iTunes to Google Play, iNet Radio, uh, you name it. We're out there. You can find Amateur Radio Roundtable anywhere. And let me just say this again. Hey, if you guys out there are listening to the podcast, I love getting the emails from you also. So send me an email to tom at w5kub.com. And for all our viewers here on uh, watching our YouTube channel, please help us by hitting that subscribe button. Right there it is. No excuse for not knowing where it is. I'm pointing at it right there. So hit that subscribe button. And just one last thing, join our Facebook group called W5 Group. We would love to, to have you uh, there. Hey, let me just real quick, I want to jump into uh, this little satellite operation. I haven't, I've been waiting to get my antennas up. But, guys, you know, we did a segment on this little device here. This is a self-contained satellite system. I mean, this thing does everything. Every satellite, it does Doppler shift. Uh, it, it does everything. And it plugs into your rotor, and it even steers your antennas uh, to, uh, uh, to the proper elevation and azimuth. And that's what I'm going to be using. You know, I was using the, the SAT PC32. It's a computer program. Uh, but, man, once I tried this thing, I got hooked on it. And uh, it's, just, it's just really cool. You don't have to set up any ports on your computer. You don't have to do any interfacing to your computer. Now, how do you how do you see the satellites and work them? You just go to to a web page. This thing's got a little web server built in it, so you can just take your phone and go to to the, the IP address of this device here, or take your laptop and go to this device, and it pulls up a complete page that has everything from your satellites listed to the map of where they are. Uh, to just everything, everything you need, and, and I mean, that is really cool. You don't even have to have internet. You can take this to POTA or wherever you want to go. You don't even need internet or anything. So that's kind of cool. So that's what I'll be using. I, I will be putting up my satellite uh, antennas here soon. Let's see what this is here. Uh, yeah, there's the rotors. That's the, uh, that's the Yezu uh, G500, 5000, 5000. 5500 I forget which one 5500 5500 right there uh, it's two pieces the one the piece on the left uh, uh, actually is the azimuth that, that rotates your antenna azimuth and then the one there on the right uh, is your elevation rotor so those will be going out on a master property in the next couple of weeks and you know uh, as you guys know I had just a single yagi for two meters out there and a about, probably about a 10 element yagi for for two meters, and I had a uh, maybe 11 element, a little short 11 element for uh, 440, which worked fine. But I want to improve my 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 station a little bit here. And so what has happened is, let's see if he's in here. I don't see him tonight. My friend Rick uh, in WA4 NBM surprised me. He brought me an M square. I guess it's M square antennas. It's the uh, uh, let me see if I can get a better picture there. It's the cross, it's the cross antennas, you know, that uh, uh, the vertical and horizontal polarization. These are actually 
uh, circular polarized. They've got a uh, they've got a matching. Let's see, they've got a matching device. Uh, you can see here the, the little coaxes matching devices. You see a little relay there on on the end of that boom right there, and and just by sending 12 volts up, I can change these from left hand uh, or right hand circularization to left hand circularization and so forth. So this is the X or the cross booms. The the two meter there is it's it's a pretty significant size antenna. Uh, there you can see some more of the matching in the the little relay box there. Uh, there's some of the uh, 440 uh, uh, antennas there. Uh, let's see, part of the two meter there. I'm just now getting the elements in. Man, it takes a long time to put all those elements and everything in. This is a lot of stuff here. But uh, you can see the, there's the two meter right there. So uh, we're going to have fun with it, get it up on the, uh, get it up on the uh, mount up on the roof there and uh, uh, get our, our station back uh, in operation there. So, so Glenn, get your satellite stuff work. Oh, and here's a picture. Just basically we moved our, I had to move my satellite station over to the end of my, my workbench because I'm just running out of room in here uh, with everything. So you can see there uh, uh, the 9700 uh, radio there in the center is what we'll, we're using. And uh, you can see the azimuth and elevation rotor control boxes there, which we'll, we'll be replacing with that single uh, Yezu rotor. So we're looking forward to getting the satellite uh, thing back up and working. and. Uh, have some fun with that and Glenn uh, you'll have to uh, get your stuff going here so we can talk to you on satellite I mean theoretically mine is working I just need to yeah. dress up the cables yeah theoretically all right wow so uh, let's see uh, uh, yeah and again I want to thank I want to thank Rick uh, Rick WA4NVM I mean, those, those antennas were a surprise. They just showed up, and uh, I guess I have inherited those antennas. And, uh, Very nice. That's uh, that's some nice antennas. Believe me, I didn't think I'd ever have anything that nice. Uh, upper satellite. You don't need that, but but it ought to make a big difference, I think. It should, yeah. 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 All right, so that's our story there, and I'm sticking to it about, about the satellite stuff there. John, have you tried any satellite over there in Russellville? John or Dennis? Well, I've been real fortunate. No, I don't personally do the satellite, but like when uh, uh, Rick and uh, Joe and Randy, WB4LHD, yeah. when they come over to operate from Nebo, that uh, I've been fortunate enough that I can participate in their satellite activities, okay. and that just works <clears> out cool. uh, wonderful for me. Yeah, so do you go up there and visit with them when they're up there? Boy, I sure do. Unfortunately, that's the same weekend as the Mena Ham Fest. Oh. But when I'm coming back from Mena, I always stop and uh, and uh, uh, spend spend quite a bit of time. And a few times I'll stop on the way over to Mena, and uh, when they're setting up. So, uh, yeah. but before Mena, I've been I've been going with those guys up there. Uh, Jimmy Poole, WA five UMP. Uh, we would go up there uh, back in the late sixties. And uh, and operate. We'd be in the different cabins, cabin 69, cabin uh, 70 or 71, and uh, a lot of fond memories back in the early days of uh, of operating the uh, June and the uh, uh, January and September uh, uh, sweepstakes and uh, VHF QSO parties. Yeah, that's good. 
I may have to try to get over in one year and visit you guys. Well, I wished you would. I wished you, uh, you'd come over that, uh, I, see, I've got lots of pictures of those. If I'd known you wanted to see, I could have showed you a lot of pictures from there over all the years of those guys uh, yeah. operating. I mean, I, I remember just a few names. Very few, but, you know, hey, when you get when you get old like me, man, you start forgetting all that stuff. <laughs> so pictures, pictures will help out a whole lot, you know. And and hey, if there are any more changes in Russellville, send me a road map. Because <laughs> that, that surprised me, man. That, that really surprised me. I thought I I thought I lost it. Oh well. All right. Hey, uh, guys. So let's see what let's see let's do this. Uh, let me show you something. And uh, let me bring it up over here. So let me tell you what's going on here with W5PB112. There's the path it's, it's been on right there since launch. So I think we've done pretty good. We've only, we've only gone across China maybe 10 times. But uh, we want we won't, we won't, we won't uh, verify or deny that. So, so Tom, the Chinese complained that uh, we had sent 10 balloons across uh, China over the past yeah. year. Was it solely yours that did this? Well, at that time, and I just noticed this during my presentation to the guys over there last week. At that time, 112 had only gone across China seven times. So I thought, well, that's okay. not there me. Was, there were those three but, others. But then, but then, yeah. but then yeah. he will neither confirm nor deny right. this. But then I, I showed him the picture of 113, and I immediately recognized it had gone all across China three times. So seven plus three is 10. So, uh, you know, and. The interesting thing, so, I don't have I don't have the screenshot here, but a friend of mine sent me a picture of Fox News, and uh, it had a big headline here. Joe Biden says we've not that China says we sent a balloon across China ten times. It's not true, and right there below it, it says Tom Medlin of Amateur Radio Roundtable says it was probably a Pico balloon right there on the same screen, <laughs> right under Biden's name. So. I think they know me there now, you know. Uh, that may not be a good thing. <laughs> you know, so anyway, here's what happened, guys. This is the new map that we are developing here. Uh, uh, if you look at APRS and stuff, you can only go back, I don't know, a little ways, maybe HabHub or one of the others. You can't go, HabHub now or Sunday Hub only lets you go back like seven days or something. I don't know. This map we're developing here is a Google map. And we've got it running on our server, and uh, it it, uh, it it pulls from Whisper, automatically pulls from Whisper, and uh, the uh, the satellites. So there's a CSV file that's right there on the server, and all we got to do is put your balloon on this CSV file, and uh, it's, then you can see your balloon on this map, and uh, it's really cool. So. What we had, we I had three balloons on this map for testing. W5KB112, 113, and 115. And we were really having a lot of trouble making this map work on my server. There's a lot to this, and I had a programmer friend that was really involved in this. And it took us about a month of making changes and trying things. During that month, I had turned off the Python script 
that we use to pick up 112 and send to APRS because I thought 112 was down. So we haven't been looking for 112 uh, for 30 days. So yesterday, we got this map working on my server. And since it was looking for W5KB112, 112 popped up right there, right below, right below Alaska. And I said, what? And I clicked on it, and, and, and it had, you know, it had yesterday, the day before its date. Not last month, but it had the day before its date. So I go over to, to uh, Whisper and pull it, pull it up on Whisper, and sure enough, there they are. So it started transmitting again. Now, I don't know what's going on. I know there's some major solar flares and stuff. I don't know if that's causing any issue. I think we could have a transmitter problem. We may have an antenna, half the antenna fell off after 280 days. 112 has always been very weak perception, Tom, so okay. it hasn't been getting out very far. Yeah, and uh, it's you're been right. intermittent. You're, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, I, and I, by I the way, the aurora was visible in Tennessee, yeah. even as far south as Florida, but we had a, a tornado go through with severe thunderstorms during the peak of the aurora, uh. so saw nothing here but it is the northern lights are visible in the south yeah every well, once in a while well you know and thanks for reminding me that because that was one of my complaints about 112 for months that it it wasn't reporting you know with the python script with it with the dual uh, data uh, mode and that's why we actually started running a, a second python script that just stripped out the, the single w5 kub so you're you're right and thanks for reminding me uh, it was spotty. It was spotty a lot of times. So, and, and uh, if you've ever worked, yeah. or have you ever worked Aurora? It is a fun mode, two meter sideband or CW. Have uh, if, if you're working voice, it sounds like somebody whispering. Oh, really? It's oh, a very okay. raspy thing, and then CW is a very raspy sound. Uh, but you can work. Uh, quite a distance uh, on Aurora if you if two stations can can bounce off the aurora thousands of miles apart they can work each other so yeah uh it's uh it's a fun mode I, i've worked a lot of it when i lived in new hampshire and up in ohio yeah so now even something... if you can't see it get on two meter cw and sideband and have fun with it well guys i'm yeah. hoping i'm hoping here uh, you know that maybe the next day or two it shows up again just the fact that we picked it up the last couple of days, uh, I know it's still flying, and the altitude was still good at forty-seven thousand feet. So, it's not losing altitude; it's still flying. Where, where was it, Tom? Where was it? Uh, it's right. The last report. Well, the last one I got right there, you can see it on that map right below. Uh, I mean, Alaska. the most recent one that you well, that just was it. Up. That was it two days ago, right below. Uh, uh, oh. And and ha uh, Sunday Hub shows it coming down. It showed it over the next couple of days coming down, crossing uh, the bottom end of California-Mexico border and going across that way. Now, yesterday, oh, hey, I want to show you this. Yesterday, they launched uh, an intercept for one in that area. 112 may have been in that Mexico. area. 112 may have been in that area uh, when they launched this, but I don't you look at this. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right here. Let's see if I can. Yeah. Okay. So, so here we go. Uh, let me adjust the screen a little bit. 
So we had another intercept yesterday, and uh, I think this is, and I've got maps of where this one was. 112 should have been over uh, somewhere around in the uh, Texas area. So let's see what this says. Anyway, they launched, they launched a, look at this. They launched. The A-Rex. Yeah, that's, what's, that's the E-3 uh, Sentry, I think they call it. It's the aircraft uh, warning and control. They launched uh, two fighters. And they launched a uh, KC-135, all that to intercept the, I think, the Pico balloon over Texas. Now, we were in that area, I think, you know, I haven't seen it in two days, but that's where it was supposed to be. And it's definitely been traveling that way. So, so there's maps here that they put out. Let's see, you can see on this map, you can see there's Baja Mexico, or no, Baja California, whatever you call it. I don't know. Anyway, so we were going right across here. This is the area that they launched in right here. Uh, so I don't know if they launched looking for us or or what they, they uh, The report was that it uh, appeared to be a hobbyist balloon is their conclusion. Yeah. But they ne they would not divulge the uh, video from the jet. Right. I saw, I read that, and uh, I don't know why they wouldn't let us have the video of a party balloon i guess they just you know you know what it cost to fly the, it's the, embarrassing to spend that much KC, money to track 35 <laughs> and e3 and two fighter jets probably, now i will say uh, i've got a call uh, i've been working for weeks to get a hold of senator kelly who's the former astronaut and has he has proposed uh, a sweeping new uh uh, regulation that would require all uh, all balloons to have uh, ADSB on the well. He doesn't specifically say that, but his specs on the uh, yeah. on the regulations that he's proposing. What is that? Probably through ADSB. What is that? A five hundred dollar box. Two thousand two hundred dollars, oh, and it would weigh a. Um, the lightest weight one is 20 grams, but you would also have to add an antenna and yeah, a big yeah. power source. It would end up being about one to two pounds extra. Well, you know, I I, I, I I feel okay if they want to tell these guys here to put one on that. That's fine. But Well, you they, can't legislate yeah. when they the tell Chinese. Me, when they tell me to put That's it on not going to affect them at all. It'll affect yeah. us. When they tell me so, to put it on that, it ain't going to work. So what I'm going to try and do during my call, I finally got through to uh, one of his aides, uh, who is a technical person and is going to advise him of what we uh, indicate to them. And they're going to hold a committee, a uh, rules committee for the FAA, um, based if this legislation passes, it will form a committee to uh, do a re- vamp of uh, FAA rules and I'm going to try and get a uh, non-governmental and educational um, representative on that panel that rules discussion panel because they don't have yeah. that listed right now so that's going to be the gist of my uh, phone call with uh, uh, NU7B is arranging this um, out from Arizona he flies Pico balloons You've seen his balloons yeah. floating around yeah. the world. Uh -huh. So, um, but we're uh, we're gonna try and uh, catch 
the ear of Congress. It's taken, uh, gosh, over a month just to arrange a 15-minute phone call with an aide. Yeah. Well, you know, there's another thing that hasn't been taken into consideration, Tom. You know, they disappeared for a while, but they disappeared right around the time of the other one going down. And they may have implemented radio silence and stealth mode to keep from getting tracked. You know, just a basic survival instinct. Well, Are you think... talking about the China balloons? No, I'm talking about ours. Well, 112. Well, I don't think, the, you know, oh. if it's a radar. The, the, answer, the ants are taking care of themselves. Oh, maybe so. But, I mean, you know, I, if, if there's a radar target, though, I doubt you're going to do much. I mean. I think we're, I, I honestly think we're pretty stealth, to tell you the truth. Oh, no. They're, they're up there with their mirrors pointing yeah. every which way they possibly yeah, can. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're pretty uh, stealth. The wire alone uh, will show up on radar. The wire the will, wire. Uh, But that, uh, the metalized foil balloons really show up. Oh, yeah. But uh, these clear balloons are going to be a lot more stealthy. I'll tell um, you what, if they're picking up that number 36 wire out there, they're probably picking up every... They're picking up every piece of straw and dust particle and everything that's flying. They are. Right there. They, uh, they, uh, and there's a lot of junk up there. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And um, if they keep doing that, they're going to keep scrambling uh, jets. <laughs> yeah. there, there should be a a, a, a weight limit or size, physical size beyond which they, you know, at a threshold where they scramble jets. Well, you know, you, know, you know what? And there, there should be an order, a couple order of magnitudes bigger than what we're flying. There is kind of a weight limit, which is an FAA regulation. Well, of course, but they just um, don't know they're about scrambling it. just yeah. for any little thing they see. They just don't know about so. it. Yeah. Well, you know, hey. But it's good exercise for them, I guess, uh, to see if they can track that. I'm sure... They haven't. This hasn't been the first time they took the filters off the uh, FAA, the NORAD radar. But uh, as was pointed out, uh, the Chinese, whatever regulations they come up with, is not going to stop the Chinese from their programs. Yeah. You can't legislate China. So, uh, yeah, All right. You know, if they want to do something. That's not uh, legal in the new regulations. They're going to do it, and uh, as was pointed out, they can send out false ADSB signals yep. to show a fake location. Right. I mean, they can do anything like that. So the only thing these new regulations are going to do is to impact the uh, hundreds of um, National Weather Service radiosons that give us our winds aloft forecasts. The cost of those will go up by two orders of magnitude. And these are throwaway transmitters that usually cost less than $100. And now they're going to be costing uh, $2,100. Mm -hmm. I mean, $2,400. So um, that's going to make those soundings prohibitive. So there's going to have to be some exceptions. So. What I'm going to push for is that we have a representative on this rules committee when they do form it, or if they do form it. Well, There's no guarantee that this legislation will pass Congress to start that rules committee, but uh, it well, it'd be happen. good. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll invite you up there. 
You know, in fact, uh, I've started yeah, we'll putting I've started putting your name on all the ones we fly. So that would explain all these uh, yeah. postcards I'm getting from some guy named Kim Il June or what's his name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. All right. Or Chi Chi Chi. What's his name? Z Chi. How you say his name? Zing. I, think, I can't even say it. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> I'm from Arkansas. I can't say it. I, let's see how John says it. John, how do you... I thought you were putting Glenn's name on everything. Yeah. All right. Well. But Glenn can track who's monitoring his internet communications now, right? Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do that kind of stuff. So, hey, hey, uh, Bill, have you... Uh, have you blown up one of the newer uh, uh, Yokohama balloons yet? I mean, have you... Yeah, I've got a really cool setup. Uh, I found yeah. at Harbor Freight, there's a tire inflator and a uh, deflator. It's called an inflator deflator. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a little vacuum port. So yeah. I saw uh, it your, runs off I saw your a battery post. pack. I saw your post. So, uh, what, uh, what kind of... Uh, are you measuring the circumference? What kind of circumference are you getting on it? I, I'm only getting, getting about 92 to 95 inches. That's small, man. It's uh, but uh, all the old all the old balloons were doing a hundred hundred. Uh, right, inches, right, and they're so, uh, they're they're six grams heavier. They're yeah, forty seven yeah. grams instead of forty one. Well, I think I had so, a fluke. I, I think I had a fluke on uh, one twelve because when we first flew it, we flew at fifty two thousand for over a week. Yeah, I'm uh, sure that was just a little one. Uh, one that one was out of spec. Yeah, the well, good you know, yeah, I measured. I measured. I'm all certain it was 111 inches. In, in, in that's pretty amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm not real accurate on my circumference. Yeah. I'm just tying a string, and it's not yeah. perfectly spherical. Right. So, um, but it's somewhere around 90 to 92 to 95 inches is what I've been showing. Oh, that's terrible. So that's gonna, uh, that's but gonna bring. Us I haven't down. flown any of them. I just yeah. inflated three of them. That's gonna make our maximum altitude maybe about forty four thousand or so yeah, quite a bit lower yeah but we'll see i i may get one flown tomorrow but i've got this little inflator deflator unit from yeah, harbor I saw freight the, I saw that uh, you, you, the, i use, it, it, I, I use bauer makes it and uh it inflated it in about uh oh 30 minutes and it deflated it uh, in 30 minutes i can uh, i can inflate my pretty fast bill i i out in my shop i've got this like 40 gallon compressor 150 oh, PSI, yeah, yeah. You know? but i'm just i wanted to get a portable unit yeah that you yeah. could carry around it's basically for your car but i mean you know i can put it, i can put 150 fancy. pounds i can put 150 pounds in there real quick you know? well yeah I, I don't know if you really need want to do that <laughs> uh, i think it's easy uh, it's better to inflated over the period of about 30 minutes yeah or well, so. i go slow I, I go pretty slow and you know, yeah keep, keep the volume down and... but the uh do you remember the diameter of that plug that you made that special adapter plug that fills it completely i don't remember the diameter but he machined those out of a piece of solid metal uh yeah. that fit that fit that balloon it, you know it was made for that right. balloon well, fig figure out. Let me know what the diameter yeah, is. I need, you to, can I need text to get it. To me. I need to get it for you there. Right. Well, okay. 
So anyways, that's uh, I, I may fly one of the new ones tomorrow if the conditions are right. We've had such terrible weather and heavy winds. It's 30 knot winds today. Yeah. And we had a tornado go a mile away, so. That was, fun. A, that was a pretty it tough tornado fun. down through here. And uh, I, I, yeah. And what, I like your it, t-shirt there. What did it turn out? F4 or something like that? F4? Oh, the, yeah, that one in, um, in Mississippi, that was a bad one. In yeah. fact, the remains of that are what went over my place. And well, you know, hey, my granddaughter. Tiny tornadoes where I'm at, and it actually killed somebody a couple of miles away from it. I think that EF4 crossed the interstate 55 there about somewhere, maybe eight, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, somewhere in that area. It was in the evening, and our uh, granddaughter drove up from Hattiesburg that night, uh, straight up 55, and she got here at at 9 p.m. So she would have been going through there about 7, maybe in here. Uh, wow. She said the weather was just really bad. She was hearing tornado warnings on the radio. No, you don't, and if you're not watching the TV, you don't know where they are or what they are. Yeah. So, hey, I don't know if you guys watch. This, this is a, a YouTube channel, Ryan Hall, y'all. You know, ever watch Ryan Hall? He's a meteorologist. He had his own YouTube channel. Oh yeah, yeah. He hit he hit a, a million show. subscribers last storm. A million subscribers, and he was given step by step for this tornado that went through Mississippi uh, last week. I mean, he he knew exactly where it was. He was telling people, "Now, if you're here," he said, "I'll be getting in my car right now and going south or north if you're in this city." He said, "If you're here." He says, you don't have time. He says, I'd be going underground right now. And uh, he, he really had a good uh, webcast. Our, our uh, university students, uh, Todd, uh, KN4TPG, yeah. uh, who flew balloons, our balloons from Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, he was in western Mississippi uh, near the river and launched 20 um, 403 megahertz radiosons from a mobile uh, vehicle, storm chasing vehicle that they have for the uh, Severe Weather Institute. Yeah. And uh, they had a big campaign and they had a, 20 of them up in the air actually going through the storm that generated that big uh, tornado. Well, hey, Ryan, um, while he was on, and when, when a storm comes up like that, he stays on during the duration. He's probably on 20 hours. And he has storm chasers out there, and you'll see pictures up on his screen, and he'll bring a different storm chaser in in that area. But he raised uh, he t he raised a uh, hundred thousand dollars in about an hour uh, uh, on his channel there uh, for the folks in here. So I thought that was just really great. All right. Well, hey, hey, John uh, and and Dennis, how how bad the weather get over there? I I, I know it was nasty, nasty bad. We're talking about this week. Yes, it, as far as I'm concerned, the weather was just fine. Yes, it rained a whole bunch, about yeah. three and a half inches in Conway, and Dennis can jump in. He can tell you how much it rained in Russell, but I think it was close to four inches in Russell. Yeah. So hey hey back back to your meeting there. Uh, when I was over there last week, I, I think you had some people from Conway there, and 
Did I hear somebody from Mina or somewhere? Some other cities that actually came to your uh, club meeting. Yeah, uh, well, a lot of the people, well, we're live, so I can't get into the deal, but a lot of people from other clubs are starting to come uh, to our club because when they come, uh, you know, we give reports and we're actually doing things in our club. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of the clubs just talk about doing things. We actually, like, do field day. We actually do events. Uh, we do QSLs. We, you know, we actually do things on the air and have repeaters. So uh, yeah. that's why some of the guys are coming from Conway and uh, and some of the other clubs over in uh, Yale County. We have uh, <clears throat> two or three guys from Yale County that come to ours. Uh, there's several clubs all around the state, and uh, those guys are all uh, starting to gravitate uh, towards our club. And I tell you, you guys box of free goodies there too, man. You have that box of free goodies. I should have took yes. that. I should have took that. That brand new CB whip in a package. I should have took it. You should have. There's lots, not lots of nights, but one or two, maybe three times a year. Yeah. We'll have box of free goodies. The Conway Club, when they give away free goodies, the video camera I'm using right now, this video yeah. camera was one of their free uh, uh, things in their uh, uh, box of giveaways. Cool. They usually have a big box full of stuff, and uh, this was one of their giveaways. All right. Hey guys, we got about two minutes before we're going to end the show tonight. We're going to end it at um, nine thirty, just because I'm tired, and uh, I had a tiring trip over to Arkansas last week. Man, it wore me out, John, but I enjoyed being there. But we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna shut the show down about in about two minutes there. I just want to say uh, hello and uh, thanks to everybody out there watching tonight on our YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you if you're uh, watching or listening on uh, WBCQ Radio. Uh, join us next week for uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable. Uh, show about ham radio, shortwave, and uh, we'd love to have you. And if you'd like to uh, watch the show live, video show, just go to W5KUV.com, and you can join our live chat room there, and you can also watch the video there. So good night to everybody, and uh, we'll uh, – We'll see you next week. I should say 73s, but probably everybody don't know what that is. 73 means best best regards. Let's talk about it a minute. Is it 73s or 73? Well, that's a source of argument forever. We can get into a big 73 argument. 73 is best regards. So 73s would be best regards by popular convention, but you will find people on both sides of that fence everywhere. Well, hey, if you look at old Herman, what's his name? Uh, what, what, who, who's the, who, who was the? Hi, Hiram Maxim. Yeah, Maxim. If you look at Maxim, he signed all his cards, 73s. And wasn't he kind of the inventor here of ham radio? You, I mean. You would think. There said, has been some uh, thought that uh, 73 originated back in the old telegraph uh, days in the Wild West. And the most popular now this is rumor. I've never heard it disproved or or not proved, but uh, uh, they say the popular rifle at the time was the Winchester 73. So what telegraph operators would do in remote areas that if something happened to them, to their the telegraph op operator in the next town, 
they would sign off, I will you my 73. And that got shorted to 73. Okay. That was in the 18, we 1880s. We may never know. I'll just say. Sounds like a good story. I'll just say, best regard is to you guys here. Best regard is to you guys over there in Russellville. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I hope to see you guys uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, or at least week after next, uh, at the Memphis Ham Fest. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we're going to be there. We'll, we'll be there. Yeah. And something to think about, too, is this weekend is the current. April Fool Ham Fest over at the Crossroads Arena in Corinth, Mississippi. Oh, that's in Corinth this weekend? Yes, this weekend. Wow. I'll be there. I'll be selling stuff. I have to give that some thought. That's about 100 miles from here. Yeah. It's that's a pretty small... much the halfway point between here and Memphis. Yeah, it's a smaller ham fest, but they're moving to two days this year, so they're growing. Every year they get a little bit bigger. That's on Saturday? Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to be there Saturday, and it's from 9 to 5 on Saturday and 9 to noon on Sunday. Okay. But right, I'm just guys. going to be over there Saturday. Are you going to that, Tom? No, i got to be here. i got some other obligations. Got a, got a, uh, got a hip replacement Friday night, or Friday. Wow. Not no, me. Not, not, not his. Not me, but oh. my, my Kathy. Kathy's getting a hip replacement. Oh, my, my gosh. Body. So I kind of need to be here. She might not be too happy if I should, you know, run down to Corinth uh, Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah, no, she'll start throwing things, but, you know, slashes tires, things be, like this. I will be at the Memphis Ham Fest in a couple weeks, uh, whatever, you know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. It's two weeks. It's the week after. Yeah. Well, and I'll be there. I also. think she's going to do fine with the uh, with the uh, hip replacement. I, I I'm thinking it just uh, maybe, you know, I'm thinking in three to four weeks uh, she'll be pretty close back to normal. Yeah, my dad had that several years ago, and he said it was absolutely the best thing he could have ever done. All right. Okay. Hey, the rest of the part of the show, we're going to talk hip replacement. There you go. All right. Let me see. Uh, let's see. We're going to close the show out. The show is officially closed. We now are in the after the show show where we talk about anything and everything. We're going to talk about hip replacement tonight. Now, how many people in the chat room? How many people in the chat room have had a hip replacement? I want to raise your hand in the chat room if you had a hip replacement. Now, I bruised my hip uh, a few days ago. You did what? I bruised my uh, hip falling down in the dog pen. <laughs> that don't count. I fell down in my pool. It, it was so it slick after the painting, I darn near busted it. I came probably that close to busting my hip a couple months back. All right. So let me tell you, there's three kinds of hip replacement. They go in They go in uh, from the front, make about a four-and-a-half-inch incision. That's all they do. The front, they don't have to cut any muscles or tendons or anything. They just kind of move those muscles back, and they can get to it. Or they can go in the back, in the buttocks back here. But they cut muscles when they do that. A lot of doctors like to go through the back. They cut muscles, and I have to sew all that stuff back together. Or they can go through the side. Now, we're going with the front. Now, the thing is, on the, on the back, if you have the back done, you can't raise that leg up higher than 90 degrees. You know, you're... Your, your, your stomach leg here, you, 
you, you can't go higher than 90 degrees. You have the tendency you could you could it could pop out. You got to be careful turning it. You got to be really careful with everything. Today we met with the doctors and with the front incision, there are absolutely zero limitations. You can raise your leg up all you want. You can get in the car. You can jump around if you feel like it. Whatever you want to do, you do it. So I, I think there's a, a big advantage going through the front instead of the rear. Let's see if anybody in, uh, in the chat. Did you see the chat the comment there? Yeah, that was yeah. Like, like 75, 75 meters, meters yeah. is now open. Hey, guys, yeah. Hey, if there's any 75-meter guys on here, we're in, a, we're in a different show now. Just we're, we're in the show after the show. We talk about anything and everything. What do you guys over in Russellville want to talk about tonight? Come on. Well, I've ha I didn't have a hip replacement, but I broke my hip. Oh no! Back in the seventies, and uh, so now I'm a good candidate for a hip replacement. So uh, yeah, that's probably something I'm going to be looking at either towards the end of this year or the very first part of next year. Oh man, I hate to hear that, but hey, I, I think that's better than a knee replacement. I think it's easy. I've I've had friends that's not having good luck with the knee replacement, and yeah. there's been two or three people that's had the had the hip replacement, and one of the guys said that the best thing that happened to him was when he got up and and came to and everything. They told him he could walk down the hall, and he said that was the first time he'd walked down the hall and didn't have any pain. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. All right. Well, all you guys in chat room, don't get upset. Empty Radio Roundtable ended a while ago, guys. If you're still here, it's your own fault. There right, you go. Right, Glenn? Nope. My my knees, my hips, my ankles, they're all factory. Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to try to make my stuff last. I mean, I can tell it's starting to wear out, but I, you know. Are they I, still I, under warranty, Glenn? Oh, no. Warranty expired long, long ago. You know, <laughs> you know, we used to have, let's see if he's in here. Doc's not in here anymore. Doc, yeah, he was in tonight. Well, Doc was in here, man. We used to get Doc on here, man. I mean, you know, we used to have a lot of other important discussions in the, after the show show. Yeah. I uh, see. Both hips done at once back in the 70s. Oh, man, I bet that was terrible. Yeah. Back, My back dad played tennis for years and years and years. And gosh, uh, this is about... Ten years ago, in his uh, just when he was turning eighty or thereabouts, he finally gave up tennis, and uh, he had both hips done. And he was saying, "I if I had known it was going to be this good, I would have had it done years ago." Because he says there's no pain. I've got all my mobility back. He says I'm thinking about picking up tennis again. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to mention. I want to mention Mark. Mark P. K E A H I W. He uh, he's from uh, Kettering, you know, right there at Dayton. And uh, uh, yesterday, the day before, they they drove uh, nonstop out to South Dakota. It's like 1,100, 1,200, 1,400 miles, nonstop. And I think he's on his way back right now, nonstop. And he says he is. Just south of Sioux south City. South of Sioux City, man, I bet you. South Dakota, though, yeah. not Sioux City, Iowa. South Dakota. Oh, uh, hey, I remember one time when I was younger, we uh, we drove all the way from here to 
Key West. 1,000 miles nonstop. And we did that. We did that so we wouldn't have to get a hotel at night. All right. 1,000 oh, miles. Oh, good heavens. Man. That was, man, that was tough. Man. We got there about 8 o'clock in the morning, and we were begging for a hotel. But we couldn't get our hotel till the next, that night, you know. Yeah. Oh, man, don't ever do it, man. You, you know, you can keep from it. Oh, that was when we were young. We could do anything when we were young. What you got there, Bill? It was tough. This is What's what there? I'm going to maybe fly tomorrow. What are you flying? Uh, that's the GPS you? antenna out of out of uh, uh, wire wrap wire. Oh, very cool. It's a dipole, and you just twist it about 10 times, and, it, and uh, if you trim it right, it actually works better than the chip antennas. Oh, very so, nice. Um, well. And I found this really neat uh, plastic... Uh, it's like a foam core, only it's uh, extruded plastic. I got that at the hobby shop. So, uh, and these are yeah. power film solar. All right, so let me ask you some technical questions here. What's the feed this point? This will be on 10 meters, whisper. What's the feed point impedance there using that twisted pair <laughs> feed line? Uh, I don't know. Probably uh, somewhere between uh, 100 and 500 ohms. <laughs> Well, your antenna, but, your antenna is probably seventy ohms, it, maybe. I, I wouldn't know. recommend it as uh, coax. You know, hundred feet worth of twisted wire for coax, but yeah. it actually works pretty well for the GPS antenna. It's a quick and dirty uh, dipole. The dipole is cut to length. Now, I've seen some other people that have used uh, that dipole. Uh, as a uh, three-quarter inch whip with the quarter um, wave radials on it, and that works really well. The idea is to try and get the signal to the no carrier noise up on the uh, GPS so it locks quicker. Yeah. Oh, speaking of this, with Arduinos and stuff, uh, did you see the announcement for the Arduino Uno R4? No, that sounds pretty cool. It is a... Uh, plug compatible uh, replacement for the Uno, uh, the R3. It runs on a uh, 48 megahertz ARM Cortex M4 and nice. 32K of RAM, 256K of flash. And oh gosh, what was the other pieces of it? I got it right here. Um, it's got uh, two UARTs on the board, two SPI buses, two ICE 